It's been 238 days since Breonna Taylor was murdered, and her killers are still free. This is Surviving America. I'm your host, Kristen Fulton, and I am so happy to have you listening today. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I thank you for coming back to a brand new episode. As you know, I've been off for a couple of weeks. You know, a lot's been happening, of course, but most importantly, I really did want to make sure that I tackled this series that we're entering, The Black Wellbeing, in a very um, responsible way. And so I'm pleased to say that we're back. I'm back today. Brand new episode, brand new interview that I can't wait to share with you. So buckle up, y'all. It's going to be a good ride. (laughs) Listen, while you are listening today, I want you to head on over to Instagram. You can do it right now. Multitask. Head on over to Instagram and follow Surviving America Podcast. Make sure you follow for updates, for information about pop culture, current events, etc. Follow Surviving America Podcast right now. And the other thing I want you to do is wherever you listen, particularly on Apple Podcasts, leave a review. Leave a review. You know, reviews go a long way. And if you leave an honest review about this podcast, that would be awesome. I mean, if you're not feeling it, I'm not sure why you're coming back every week. (laughs) But go ahead and leave an honest review. And uh, I'll get the message. Constructive criticism is always good. Do better. We can always do better, you know. But yes, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or iHeartRadio or Spotify. We are everywhere. Leave a review for Surviving America, the podcast. All right, y'all. Let's move on into our hot topics because later on in the episode, I have a very special guest. I spoke with a mental health professional. We are going to talk about mental health in the black community, mental health overall. I don't want to take too much time away from that conversation So let's jump into our hot topics. Now, listen, it is the end of a very long week. And if you are listening to this, you are listening to an episode that was recorded the day before it was released on this on that Friday. So it's been recorded on Thursday, November 5th. It's evening. So it's not too far off, but I'm saying that to say at this moment in time, we still don't know who our president is, president of the United States. We have an idea of who he could be, but we don't know who he is. And I want to give space for that because it's been rough this week. We lost some Senate races that we were supposed to win. We lost some congressional races that we were supposed to win. I don't know what kind of Hail Marys these folks pulled off, but it's been really, really hard. I tell you, the hardest one for me really, truly was Jamie Harrison. My family is from South Carolina, so I have recently begun to participate in South Carolinian politics. I supported someone for the primaries in Charleston, made calls, made donations, made text messages or sent text messages, made calls for Jamie, made donations. I'm invested in South Carolina. I spent some summers there. That's where my grandfather lived until his final day. 
on this earth. It's where my dad grew up. So that one really got me. And I just want to give space because I know that a lot of us are hurting out there. Specifically, if you are black and brown. Allies, I know you're hurting, but you have no idea the kind of pain that we are in. And the kind of pain that we are in, but we still have to move on about our days as if nothing happened. Still have to work, take care of family, all that good stuff. People are expecting you to just move on, which we do because we have been surviving this country since we've been in this country. That's all I want to say about that. I just wanted to make that moment give space, you know? The next thing I want to say before we move away from this hot topic, because really there's only one hot topic this week. (laughs) Maybe by tomorrow or by Friday when you're listening, this we'll know who our president is. That's the biggest hot topic. But I want to say this because my bestie, Jasmine, shout out to you. Y'all remember her from season one, Dr. Jasmine Ulysses, um, who is a nurse practitioner. Um, so be safe out there, girl. But she said something very profound to me as she was listening to people and watching things post posted online. She was like, all of a sudden, you want Joe Biden to do something to, for you that he never promised. And I was like, oh, she's absolutely right. Listen, y'all, please don't get out here and act a fool. Don't act a fool. Listen, none of us are excited about Joe Biden. We just need him in this moment. I was not excited about him. I was an Elizabeth Warren supporter, which surprised the heck out of me. But I knew what we had to do and why. I never thought Joe Biden was going to be my candidate and give me everything that I want and need out of this country. So I'm not going to demand that of him because he didn't promise any of that to me. So when you start talking about reparations, know that he never told Joe behind he was going to give you reparations. When you start talking about fracking, know that he doubled down on not uh, fighting fracking. So please, y'all, please don't get out here and act a fool. We needed him to do a specific thing. He's on his way to doing that specific thing. Don't get out here and show you show you behind. So I just want to say that I'm going to drop that there. I'm going to drop it and move on. (laughs) Let's head into these church announcements, y'all. Listen up, you fine folks. I just want to let you know that Brother Barack's book is coming out in a couple of weeks on November the 17th. His book is called A Promised Land. A Promised Land. Make sure y'all run out and catch Brother Barack's book. You can catch it on your local bookseller. You can catch it on the giant bookseller, Amazon. You can catch it on their website. You can go to Barnes and Nobles. You can do a lot of things. But make sure you support Brother Barack with his book coming out, A Promised Land, on November the 17th. Next announcement, coronavirus, y'all and I keep on saying this, is real. So make sure y'all wear a mask and keep your distance. And let me remind you that just cause it's open don't mean you have to go. Let me tell you what happened. There was a record 102,000 
831 cases reported on Thursday by Johns Hopkins University. Now that topped the previous record that was just last week on October the 30th. Peoples is still out here dying. Coronavirus is real. So make sure you take care by wearing your mask, washing your nasty hands, and keeping your distance. Thank you. And that concludes this week's church announcements. All right, everybody, welcome back. We are about to head into our interview. Like I said, I'm really excited for y'all to listen to this interview. I spoke with Dr. Kira Baskerville-Williams, um, who is a licensed clinical social worker. Uh, she has her master's in social work from Rutgers University. She also has her EDS from Seton Hall University and her doctorate in educational leadership from Seton Hall University. We had an amazing conversation on mental health. We have to take care of ourselves. In the black community, there's so much stigma around mental health, and we are going to change that narrative because it's so important. And as we focus and move into this series, continue in this series on the black well-being, we have to make sure that we're taking care of every part of us, not just the physical or the financial, but we're talking about the mental part. I am a strong advocate for therapy. I have a therapist. I love going to therapy. And I hope that some of you out there, you will get something from this conversation where you'll learn, where you will debunk some of the myths, where you will be enlightened and inspired to go out and find some sort of mental health service for yourself. Because let me say this, and I say it later on, we can't go through what we go through without some mental health help. So why don't we, you and I, dive on in and listen to this conversation that I had with Dr. Kira Baskerville-Williams, because you know what? I already started talking. So we are talking about, this is part two of a series for this podcast called The Black Wellbeing, in which we're exploring all of the mental, physical, financial, spiritual health, all of those things. But I want to focus on mental health in this moment because this is a moment for mental health right now. <laughs> um, so can you talk about can you talk about um, mental health? Like we all know what it is, but why is it so important? Mental health, it includes our emotional, our uh, physiological, and our social well-being, right? So it affects how we think, feel, and, and act. And based on that, it, it impacts your stress levels, your anxiety, how you how you relate to others, and, and the type of choices you make, whether they are choices that are destructive or choices that uh, you would consider healthy, right? And mental health, whichever stage of life you're in, Having optimal mental health is very critical to the type of choices you make, the type of behaviors that you uh, display, your your uh, relationships with people, places, and things, and how you move through the world, how you show up. So it's very important that you make sure that there's a, that it's a, there's a there's a balance between all of it, between your emotional, between your your um, social, between your physiological, all of those things, or psychological, we want to make sure all of those things are in, in harmony with each other. Right. I love what you just said about 
that just those couple of words of it's how we show up in the world, you know, it folds into everything, like how we show up in the world. And one of the things that, you know, I am that I I think about all the time, I heard someone say this in an interview, I can't remember where, but someone said, you know, as black people, how could we go through all of the trauma that we've went through, you know, in our existence in this country and not think that we don't need help to move forward? You know, why we're not, you know, seeking mental health as a mental um, health uh, solutions as a community. And so it's so because it does show up. I mean, I I don't know if you um, have science behind or if you believe in the idea that all that stuff is passed down to us through our DNA. But I, I'm like, of course it, it does. You know, we can feel, you know, all of the things that um, happen in the black community, whether we experience them or not. When I see something on the news, I'm like, I know what those people are going through, not because I went through that, but because that's what my people have gone through and suffered through. Absolutely. When you think about uh, trauma, and if you were to take it from uh, slavery, right, when we, how we were, the conditions, right, that we were brought here to this to, the, to, to this country, and throughout the diaspora, because the, this is not something that is isolated just to black Americans. This is, it, this is in other countries that were impacted by the slave trade as well, and various other things that may have happened that were traumatic to them. But it, it's passed down from generation to generation to generation. When you look at trauma, you're really looking at the impact of uh, fight, fight, or shutdown on our uh, sensibilities. And what happens is that when you are in a fight or flight mode, then it's very hard to take in information. It's very hard to function um, to, the, to the best of your ability. It, it becomes very difficult to feel as if you are not under attack. So even though, you know, okay, so let me give you an example that I, that I use a lot. Let's say that you were, that you thought that the sofa was attacking you, right? Whether the sofa is attacking you or not, the feeling of being under attack would create the fight or flight response in your, in your, well, in, in, inside of yourself. Based off of that, you'll get high levels of anxiety, high levels of stress, um, all these things that will start to impact you on your day to day, and it will have an impact on your health. It would have an impact on your mental health. Um, so you have to always remember that when you're talking about people in a, you know the community and in other countries that are affected by trauma or the slave trade, you are really talking about a group of people who are in a constant flux of of flight or fight. Wow. And because of that. It is imperative that you receive mental health, right? Your mental health counseling, um, that you're always aware, ready to, to work on, on self at all times. Because the reality is you may be walking down the street and the street, you know, it, it's a peaceful street, but you may still feel as if you have to be on guard all the time. And think about what that does to you as a person to walk down the street and feel as if you cannot just walk down the street. Right. How many times do you hear, like, within the black community, if you're talking, or, um, or just, just a sense of knowing, right? It's, we're always on guard. Our survival skills are sharpened, right? Because if there's one thing that was passed down alongside of trauma, is learning how to survive. Oh, yes. You, you, have to, you have to know. You have to 
had to know it. We had to know the oppressor. We had to know when um, the hairs on the on, on, on the back of our neck were standing up and meant something. Instinctually, you know, everything was sharp, sharpened just so that we can survive what is something that, in my head today, is, is something that is unsurvivable. <laughs> wow. That, yeah. But, you know. A hundred percent. I'm thinking about... So I, I love the example about the couch because it's like whether or not the couch is attacking you, you are still going to respond if you think that's what's happening. So it's like, yeah. So when people say things like, oh, you know, well, racism doesn't exist. Blah, 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 it's like, no, no, no. A, it does. But whether or not you believe it exists, I'm telling you it is existing for me. I'm telling you that you are doing this thing to me. So I am responding in this way because you are doing this thing to me. So that was that was one point that I was just like, yep, yep, yep. The other thing that I was thinking about is walking down the street. I'm like, I have been very conscious over the last couple of years for myself. And when I'm walking down the street, how I make black men feel. And I just want to give like a quick PSA to all my listeners because my listeners know that I rep hard for black women because I feel like black women get the short end of every stick. (laughs) So, but I am going to speak to this moment right now as black for black men, because when I walk down the street and I'm like, I am super aware and conscious of how I am making black men feel, whether or not they are dressed like a business person or whether or not they're dressed in like just regular street clothes that we would all wear. I'm always like, I don't want to make this black man feel unsafe by because of the things that have been programmed into us as members of society. And I had to grapple with that for a moment because I was like, how could I be feeling this way about black men when I see them on the street? But I'm like, no, I really want to make sure that they don't feel threatened because that is going to do like that does something to black men, period. All the black men. I'm like, we can't exist in this space, in this world and say that black men, you know, are 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 not threatening when we're walking down the street and we, you know, feel a certain way. That energy is going to change no matter what. That energy is going to shift, you know, our paths as we're walking, if that makes sense. And, and you know, it does. One of the things that I do is I smile because smiling changes the energy. So if I'm walking down the street and, you know, there's a group of, of, of young African-American men, you know, or old, it doesn't even matter, but just, you know, black men walking down the street and I'm walking, I smile. I smile at them and say, hey, how are you? Because that shifts the energy. And that lets them know that I am supportive of them, that I'm not afraid of them. It's just, I feel that it's very important that they get some positive energy from me. Hmm. I mean, I'm going to try. I'm going to see how I can do that with my mask on these days. <laughs> Maybe I'll start saying... <laughs> Yeah, I may start saying hi more often. I'm always like, oh, I don't want to say hi to the people who are like, hi. And I'm like, it's always a cat call. And I'm like, no, no, no. But maybe I will start saying hi more often just because I, I, I'm, I believe what you're saying. Like, you know, just giving them a smile, letting them know that the energy is safe right now as we're crossing paths is so important. Mm-hmm. I do that because I want you to know I see you. Mm. I see you. I feel you. Yeah. You know, I love you. Oh, yes. I love you. I love you, black men and black women. (laughs) Um, So can we talk about for a second or for a moment, mental health and the stigma it has within the black community? 
I know for myself, when I told my dad that I was going to therapy, I've, I love therapy, first of all. I've been going to therapy for several years. <laughs> um, off and on, I would go, and then I would, you know, my therapist and I would meet this moment where it's like, oh, you don't really need to come anymore. You're doing pretty well. And I would be existing in the world pretty well for several years. And I'm like, oh, I think I should go back. And so I've recently went back to therapy. But I told my dad, and he was like, his immediate response was like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, nothing's wrong with me. I just need support and help for, you know, whatever's going on within me. And so he tried to convince me. He's like, well, he went on this long story about like how I just need the Bible and I need Jesus, which I am a Jesus lover. And yes, I do need the Bible. But I'm like, Jesus and therapy also work well together. <laughs> so... Why is there a stigma in the black community specifically around mental health? Or I don't know if, you know, if you have the answers to that, because that's a large question. But can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. Well, it is a large question. But if you, if you take, take it in, in small bites, right, let's, let's, let's break it down. So there are certain isms that we know that, that take place in a black household, right? So you may have heard things like, what happens in this house stays in this house, mm-hmm. right? You may have um, heard things like, you know, just pray about it, you know, take it to God, or, or you know, something's going on, that's the devil. You know, there are certain things that play in African-American household at times. Yep. It's, a lot of it is changing, but there's still some things that are, are um, consistently hanging over us, if you will. So if you look at even, again, taking it back to um, slavery and, and different things, we learned how to become self-sufficient within our own unit because we didn't have access to the same things that that um, our, our Caucasian counterparts had access to. You know, every anything from learning how to read to, to going out there and being able to access free, you know, um, not free medical care, but medical care that was quality. There are things that we just did not have access to. So we learned how to make do with what we had. Now, when you bring in a different outside element to that, that takes some getting used to. And it's just taken us some generations before we have opened ourselves up to the, to the possibility that it's okay to ask for help. It doesn't mean you are weak. It does not mean that you are not strong, that you're not tough. All those things that uh, that we that we hold as very important in, in, in our community. To to not be tough or to not be uh, strong or if you want to call somebody a punk, whatever all these things that plays plays out at time in the black community. It it it, it what we have to understand is that it does not mean any of that. It means that you are actually showing a lot of courage and strength to go out and get help when you need it. That's what it's really showing us. However, vulnerability is not easy within the black community. How many times have you been told to toughen up or to just take it or just, you know, suck it up? Right. Or, um, you know, how many times have you been told that? Yeah. The reality is, you don't have to suck it up. You can actually say, you know, wow, this really hurts my feelings, or I'm sad, or I'm going to really through a really tough time right now, and go get help. Doesn't mean anything is wrong with you at all. Right, right. Doesn't mean anything is wrong with you at all. Yeah, I love that because it's true, and it's it's. 
I, it's, oh my goodness, I have to, I have to focus my thoughts because I'm just thinking also, I'm like, everything, I always say to people, like everything that is happening, that is a negative thing that's happening is, we can trace it all the way back to slavery. Like we could just, all of it, everything in the present, we're just like, for us, I'm like, it goes back to slavery. And so just knowing that, yes, we have had to figure out how to make do within our own households, within our own community. We weren't really seeking outside help and resources because those resources and help may not have been safe for us or they might not have been available. So yes, we've carried that all the way up into 2020 because it's still like, Mm -hmm. it's still, I think it's probably like a millennial or even still for gen for gen xers i think are who they are gen xers are probably like people who go to therapy but like my my parents baby boom generation they're definitely not going to therapy um they're not talking about it and they are still coming from that that point of view of like you just need to pray about it you know you just need to have faith and be strong in the lord and i'm like yes but (laughs) i'm like in the bible it says seek wise counsel so i'm seeking wise counsel (laughs) that's what i'm doing yes exactly (laughs) yes i'm like i can't keep this all to myself and nor do i want to anymore especially i mean we also live in an age where we are constantly bombarded with information so back in the day when things were you know admittedly definitely jim crow was worse than living in today but i'm like it took so long for information to trickle down to your household right now you could wake up and the first thing you get is an alert about something that happened 25 states over but it's affecting who you are and so i'm like we we need healing we need healing all around and you need to protect your peace you have to protect your peace and you have to decide how you do that yes you have a lot of information coming at you from all angles but that doesn't mean you have to take it all in and that doesn't mean you have to read it all that doesn't mean you have to expose yourself to it all you protect your peace you have to start to decide when is enough enough it's okay to to turn off the tv or binge watch something that's light and airy and funny and not get caught up into every little thing that is happening right now because it's overwhelming and how do you protect your peace you know, you have to know what triggers you. Hmm. You have to know how much news is too much news. You have to know that, you know, um, there's a process to all of this. And submitting to that process means there are things that you can't control. And there are things that you can. And deciding where your energy is going to, to, to go. Where am I placing my energy? Am I going to place it on the things I can control? And what I can control are things that, you know, how much information I take in how many times a day I want to pray, how many, you know, all this. In other words, what I'm saying is that you, there are things that you can control that feed you well, and there are other things that do not, that will add to your stress, that will add to your anxiety. But you have a choice on where you put your energy every single day. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's true. It's true. What do you say to folks who are like me, I feel guilty sometimes when I tune things out. For example, 
and this is, I'm going to move us into another kind of topic almost, but like this election season. So yes, I go hard during every election season, not just the presidential, but like our midterms. And I also go hard for local elections, depending on who's running. If, you know, if there's someone I'm really strong about supporting, but sometimes I'm like, okay, I just, I'm like, I don't want to make phone calls, but then I feel guilty about it. I don't want to watch the news, but then I feel guilty. Like I'm not participating in society or whatever. How, what do you say to folks like that who are like, but I have to be involved. I have to take it all in. I have to know. I always get ashamed if I take a break and then something big happens and I'm like, oh, I didn't know that happened and someone's talking to me about it. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, man, just when I took a break. Again, protecting your peace. You know, protecting your stress level, your anxiety level, all those things. It's okay to tell someone, oh, you know what, I missed that. Uh, let me know what happened with that at the point that you're ready to know what happened with something. It's okay to have a passion for politics and delve in, but you have to know when to take a step back and to let your mind relax if it causes you stress and anxiety. If you're all into politics and then you love that adrenaline and you love it, go at it. <laughs> go at it. <laughs> if, if, if it does not serve you well, then you have to take a step back at times. For me, I know I I may watch, you know, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, Channel Four, Channel Two, but then after a while, I'll I'll won't watch anything for three weeks and completely tune out because I need a break. I know how my stress and my anxiety level. I start thinking, oh my goodness, who's going to win? What's happening? No, so I take a break and I binge and I and I write and I do things that feed me and that are self care for me. And if someone doesn't understand that, and if someone says, "Oh my God, I can't believe you're not into this," that's okay. That's not my. That's not. That's not about me. That's that person's stuff. That's not my stuff. So I'm not going to let somebody else's stuff interfere with my well being and how I want to show up and how I want to function in the world. Oh, you know how you function best. You cannot allow somebody else's functioning, air quotes, to make you feel bad about how you decide to manage your day-to-day routines. Because that is how you keep your stress and anxiety low. Hmm. Mm. I need someone who is a t-shirt maker out there to make a t-shirt that says, that's not my stuff. (laughs) I need that t-shirt. people who are going to make you feel as if you have to take responsibility for somebody else's stuff and you do not. Wow. You don't. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm sitting in that. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Because it is, I mean, yes, we can all be participatory members of society, but we can also take care of what we need for our own well-being and we can choose how we participate and how much and that's okay. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, because we are in this crazy, not crazy, I don't like to use that word, this wild, this um, this roller coaster of an election season, um, whatever happens, so we are talking two days before the actual November 3rd election. Because of mail-in ballots and all that stuff, we might not know who the president is next week, but we could very well. Whatever happens, um, we're going to have to deal with the ramifications of the last four years, and we're going to have to figure out how to move forward. Um, As 
you know, Americans, period, but definitely black Americans, you know, minorities in general, black and brown people have been hit very hard by what's been happening. And, you know, for me, I'm like, I, I'm kind of holding my breath. I'm not saying that it's going to work out until I see that it works out. So I'm just holding my breath in this moment. But how do we move forward while we deal with the things that have happened? I don't think there's any, I don't think we can just say, okay, it's done. We do have to deal with all of the stuff that's come up with white supremacy, with capitalism and uh, classism, with, you know, all these things that have trickled in to our everyday existence, we can't, you know, if Biden-Harris wins, it won't just be like erasing that stuff. That stuff is stuff that we've lived through. Coronavirus. <laughs> it's something that we're actively yeah, living but, through. But what is any different from what we've always lived through? How is, we've always lived through all of those things that you've just named. Right. They've, they've always been here. That's true. Well, the, the difference is that it's just highlighted because of technology and, and phones and things. But we, we've been thriving in those conditions since slavery. Since the emancipation, we have been making humongous strides, right? So it's where are you going to put your energy? Well, so for me... I believe in the thriving black community that I have seen, witnessed, and that I know, right? It doesn't mean that I don't invest in the process of the need for organization, the need for um, awareness of, of uh, local politics. If there's anything that I think it highlights is the need to be involved in not just the general election, but in local politics. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, that's what I'm deciding is whether Biden wins or whether Trump wins. My investment to the process is going is in local politics. What can I do locally to make sure that black people are are aware of of, of the need to to be um, a part of the process, right? If 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 I hate the school district that. Uh, my child goes in, but I never go to a board of education meeting. What am I really, what am I saying? Yeah. A hundred percent. I have to, I have to invest in that process. There, there needs to be, you know, hundreds of people showing up at a board of education meeting so that we can make change. It's the same thing in local politics. It's, it's, you know, we can't wait for a general election to, to to have hope that, oh, my goodness, everything will change. They have never changed, whether a Democrat or Republican was in office. There hasn't been a, a, a point in our history as a black American where there has not been a white supremacist that we've had to, you know, that hasn't been in our space. Or yeah. bad policing. Hmm. Or capitalism or the ills of poverty or poor education. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yes, we have had to deal with these things, not just in the last four years. And so what I'm what I'm taking away is that kind of going back to that idea of how much we're getting involved. Like if we, you know, pace ourselves in this really great way, stay involved locally, you know, we can really shape the way things will happen along the way it will shape you know 
national politics to an extent. If we are doing things locally, we don't have to go as hard as we've had to in the last couple of months or the last two years because of a presidential election. Right. Yeah. When judges are elected, when, you know, all these things, you know, we, it starts It starts in our own neighborhoods and towns. Hmm. It's, yes, it starts in our own neighborhoods. Yes. Yeah. In um, our own schools. Yeah, it's, I mean... I, I absolutely am on that bandwagon. I think it's super important. I'm encouraging some of my friends who are interested in getting into politics to get into their local politics. And I can't wait until they can start doing some stuff to shape, you know, what our country looks like. Because it is I it is very hard to exist in this space where for the last two years or even year and a half year that it's just all about this presidential election. It's like is there anything else that we can talk? For me, I find that as like my way of self-care is like, I will watch some stuff occasionally, but I'm like, we have to be able to talk about something else. Like, it feels like a pattern where we're just going in this circle where, oh, every four years, we're just gonna jump on here. And that's the only thing we're gonna do. And it feels unsafe and unhealthy. And I'm like, but we could be doing things along the way so that we don't have to deal with this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then what is your personal investment in the the process and and, and, you know what I know for myself what I said is like it's it's local it's figuring out now how can I get involved locally and what does that mean for me what does that look like how am I preparing you know my child and, and, and children in the neighborhood to know and learn about politics yes Please, <laughs> all the parents out there who are listening, please prepare your, educate your children as you educate yourself <laughs> so that they can know. Right. Absolutely. Yes. So, you know, part of that is um, something that you already mentioned, which is self-care. Self-care for me, I don't know, if it, just because I'm getting older or whatever, but it feels like it's a newer term in like the last decade. I feel like in a decade ago, I was still like, a young little something getting out of high school. So it doesn't, (laughs) but I'm like, how much was I involved? But I still feel like in the last few years, it feels like it is self-care has become like this huge, like it's had its wave or something in, I guess, America, at least I can only speak to America. It feels like now more people are talking about self-care. Now more people are talking about ways they do self-care or practice self-care. Is it, new or is it just people are finally catching on? I don't think it's new, but I, I think that it may be, there may be a socioeconomic piece to it, right? And depending on the type of self-care. So in my head, when I said that, I'm thinking, you know, massages, you know, going away, vacationing, like things where you can actually go out here and, you know, take a break from the world for a little bit. Um, but what's happening now is that there are so many things that are, are are more accessible to whatever socioeconomic class that you're in, that you can go out here and do things like going for a walk or exercising or, to, you know, go get a massage. But there's so many things. How you eat is, is, is taking care of yourself, how, you, how, how much you exercise, mental health. All of these things are about taking care of your, yourself. And that is self-care, meditating, praying, 
being centered, grounding yourself, having this self-talk that is positive and self-affirming and speaking life into yourself and the people around you. That's all self-care. And that doesn't cost any money to, to think positively about yourself. If you if you get up in the morning, walk into the mirror and say, I'm amazing, right? And 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 own that. That is self-care. Because how often as kids were you taught to be humble and, mm. and not um, air quotes show off or, you know, sound too confident or conceited. Now, now give yourself permission to be conceited. Give yourself permission to say, I am amazing. When somebody says, that was a great job, say, yes, thank you. I know it was a good job. I'm so excited for myself and happy for myself. Wow. That's for me. I, I will say for me, that is super hard. I have had lots of moments where I've had literal like breakdowns in the moment of like accepting help from someone or accepting a compliment where it just I just started bawling and wailing and just like, I can't do that. And so I I, I understand that journey because it is what we're taught. Like, you know, be humble, be nice. People always tell, tell me or they tell my family like, oh, Kristen's so like, she's so even and so chill about things. And I'm just like, A, you you know, you don't really know me because there, there's nothing chill about, <laughs> chill about me. But also it's like, that's what we, that's what I grew up knowing. Like, if I am this good girl, then people will like me. I mean, that's something that I'm also working on in therapy of just like, be yourself. <laughs> but like, you like, know, show up. Yep. show up. Yes, show up. And just like, if we're humble, if we're nice. So it's hard to be like, oh, yeah, I, that was great. I really, I, I understand that pain very, very well. <laughs> very well. Well, because it's you know, for so long, you're not, you're taught to not show up as your full self. It's just like you, you, you dial yourself down because, so often, you know, particularly as, as um, you know, black women, you, you get into the angry black woman thing or, you know, it's it, so many, I mean, this is the whole other topic, it's like, whew, <laughs> even dumb to what happens with, with black women, but it, it, it's very difficult to show up as your full self and full power, you know, woman hear me roar and completely think that everything is okay inside, right? So it's, it's accepting, owning, thriving in that power that is yours and not letting anyone dim it or not letting anyone feel like something is wrong with you because you show up as your full self and full power. And hmm. fire. I love that. Every single day. I love Every that. Every single day. Every day. And it's, yeah, every day. And I will speak from experience. It's hard <laughs> to do that every day. I always feel like I could tell when I'm reverting because my voice gets really, really, really high pitched. And I talk like in the back of my throat and I'm always up here in this octave and I'm like, okay, ground yourself, figure out like what's going on there. Because it, it's, you know, just the Kristen that was like a little girl who was like, you know, be this way. Um, yeah. So how do we change the con? Oh, go ahead. But I was going to say, that's the seven-year-old. Everybody has that seven-year-old in, in, inside of them. So it's, it's telling the seven-year-old that, okay, the 30-year-old has it from here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. 30-year-old Kristen has it. <laughs> um, so as we kind of wind down our conversation, I want to talk about how do we change the conversation within the Black community around mental health so that 
all of these things so that this kind of conversation that we're having can happen at someone's dinner table or over a text message or at church, whatever the case is. How do we start start to shape that and change that? By just doing it, by just having these conversations that are uncomfortable, by being vulnerable, by, by saying, you know, um, it sounds like you could really use a therapist. Have you thought about therapy? You know, because what happens is somebody at a dinner table or, or, you know, over the phone, because how many of our friends that we are pseudo-therapists for hmm. who, are, who are telling us all, this, all these heavy things, and the reality is, you know, let me give you my number to my therapist. Or, you know, have you thought about reaching out to a therapist, someone who can help you work through these things or manage this? It seems like this is, you know, um, difficult for you right now. Yeah. Simple as, as simple as that. I hope folks are listening. It's as simple as that. Um, and when they say a therapist, you say, absolutely, mine is wonderful. <laughs> you, norm, you, norm, you norm it. You normalize it. Yeah, normalizing it. Yes, normalize therapy, people. That's another T-shirt. All my T-shirt makers, I think you have a uh, you have some really good sayings, some quotes. <laughs> Some quotes yes, coming up. You have yes, to make it normal. So, tell me from you, from your lens, your um, point of view, what do you think is missing from the Black community? Well, I mean, so when you when that's a, that's a, that's a tricky question. But, <laughs> you know, it's, people tend to you know people can give you a laundry list, right? Oh, well, you know, edu- access to, to education, access to to, um, to better jobs, right? Um, financial literacy, um, you know, becoming more active in the political process. I mean, there's so many things, but there's so many things that are actually working in the black community as well. If you look at where we are, we are thriving in so many areas. I mean, look at how well we are doing. Right, so we can choose to focus our energy on everything that's not working, but we know in any, in any you know group or or um, segment of, of the population, there are things that are just not working, and typically it's across the board that you know it's poor education, it's, it's access to to, to jobs. Um, as a whole, this whole thing of systemic racism is having a detrimental impact on on us as a as a group. But somehow we still manage to work through it and push through it and to do the things that we need to do to thrive as a community each and every day. Yes. We, we if we look around us, there are role models, there are people who are, are doing the thing. <laughs> they are doing it. And wonderful things. What we can do is reach back and we can decide how do I become that for someone else who may not have the same opportunities that I have or that I was blessed with. Right. If you go into the the neighborhoods that are not thriving as much as some of some of the other ones, what can we do there to offer support and to offer help? That's something that takes organization, 
you know, we need to organize in that, you know, in that regard. Absolutely. So you kind of already Again, answered local politics. local politics. Absolutely. That's where change starts at the local level, at the local level. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So you've sort of answered my next question, but maybe you have more to say. What's beautiful about the black community? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Everything is beautiful about the black community. Yes. We are. We our culture is, 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 is so rich and so amazing. Our intellect is so rich. Anything that we step into and, and, and are able to step into with our full selves, we shine. I mean, we rise right to the top. So I, I you know, I um, always say to my little one when he asks, you know, why, why are people so afraid? I always say, you know, because the power that we have is so, is so um, magnificent that it can sometimes be scary. But we are a powerful bunch, and we have overcome everything that everything that has been thrown our way. And I always say that you don't have to say you're strong. You just be strong. And that's what we are. We've just been mm-hmm. strong all of our lives. That sometimes, though, it, it impacts us in a, a positive way or like we've seen sometimes in mental health in a negative way because we're so used to just doing. However, even saying that, how beautiful we are because look at how fast mental health is taking off. It's starting to take off within the black community. Hmm. We are reaching out and going after the help more so than ever before. Because what do we do when we catch on to something? We shine and we focus in and we get to working on ourselves. And I've been seeing it. We, we are working on ourselves. Yes. Yes. Ah, I love it. Everything we touch. Everything we touch. Everything we touch. Yeah. So, final question. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, But final question is, how do you survive and, as a result, thrive as a black person in America or being black in America? Well, I look at, I, so, the first thing I do is decide how do I thrive in America being a human, right? Being a person. How do I do that? Because then what I do is the same characteristics that it takes to survive as a person in America, the same characteristics that I'm going to apply as a black person in America. And then the second thing I do is I, I create a support team around me. I always say, you know, you can have a purpose-filled, you know, purpose-driven life. You can know your purpose you can, you can feel passionate about something, but you still need support and you still need help to do that. You still need a team. Who is your support team? Jesus had 12 disciples. He had a support team, so what makes you think like you don't need one? Huh. He knew his purpose. He knew his destiny before he even got here. He knew what he was here to do. But that doesn't mean he still didn't doubt. That doesn't mean he still, you know, didn't go through the trials and tribulations. So what makes you think you don't have to go through that? <sighs> That's good. But even with all of that, he had a support team. And that is what we need. We need a support team. Through our, you know, our inside. Who are they? And how do they move me in the direction that I want to move? And how do I move somebody else the direction that they want? 
and knowing the type of person you are critical. It's okay to be a leader, and it's okay to be a follower. It doesn't matter which one you are. What matters is that if you are a leader, then you have to be accountable to those you lead because you can lead them to the Wall Street. It's critical who you follow because you can follow someone to Wall Street or you can follow someone to the penitentiary. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, at the end of the day, you have to know who you strive to be. You have to get a support and you have to know if you're a leader or a follower and then whoever you are and that's how you thrive. Well, I thank you so much, um, Dr. Kira Baskerville, for joining this conversation, for coming on to Survive in America today. This conversation has been amazing, and I hope that everyone out there has taken away the amazing gems that you have dropped. Um, If people want to follow you or know you or even know your practice, where can they find you? Sure. Well, uh, we are called evolutionmind.net. So it's evolutionmind, M-I-N-D dot net. And we are a, well, right now we're virtual, but our, our practice, our brick and mortar practice is in Maplewood, New Jersey. And you can follow us on Instagram, evolutionmind underscore therapy, or Facebook, which is uh, evolutionmind therapy. Uh, and my, our phone number is 973-327-3225. Awesome. Thank you. And all of you listening who are running over to your computers, you are welcome too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again for joining me and having this conversation. I really appreciate it. And um, I'm so grateful. And I, I, I also walked away with some amazing things today. So thank you. Anytime. I look forward to uh, speaking with you again one day. Yes, yes. We'll do this again. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Dr. Baskerville, for joining me for that awesome conversation. Listening to it again, I'm like, oh, my goodness gracious. Listen, y'all, you have to take care of yourselves. Mental health is so important. Make sure you come back next week for part three of the Black Wellbeing. We are diving in again. And in the meantime, remember this, Proverbs 31.8 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Until next time, bye!